The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Thank you for joining us wherever you're joining us, whether it's Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, on podcast platforms, or now as of our second week on SiriusXM Channel 45. Wherever we are, we're happy to have you, and I'm happy to have our guest co-hosts this week, joined by Elisa and JC. Hi, guys. Hi. Good to be here. Hello. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. JC, I feel bad. I feel like we we dragged Elisa, I want to say reluctantly, into being a co-host this week. I feel like we've bamboozled her a little bit because I texted her last night. You what did I text Elisa? Something along the lines of, hey, do you want to pop in for just oh. a couple minutes and talk about E3? And now we pretty much have you for the whole show. Yeah. Um, so you'll be hearing. I was going to say you'll be hearing from my lawyer, but. <laughs> That's that is the trick. Spider-Man <laughs> I, meme. <laughs> I can't sue myself, but I'm happy the to have you from, guys coming from inside the house. <laughs> Well, um, I'm thrilled to have you guys both here, and just this show is just filled with people that I'm, I just know I'm going to love hanging out with. In addition to you guys being here, our guest this week, really excited to have indie pop ukulele artist Ray Robinson. I got to tell you guys, all right, you know me well enough to know that indie alt-pop ukulele music is my jam. It is my kryptonite. It is my world. I mean, it is the—if if it was the only music I would ever have to listen to for as long as I live, I'd be cool with that. In fact, I can say this, okay? You can tell me—you could tell me that we have reanimated Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's corpse, and he is playing a concerto in my backyard— and I'm still going to be like, yeah, but there's an indie pop ukulele artist 20 miles away in a dingy bar. I got to check this out. And that's so like this is this is appealing to me on all fronts. Once I found out we had a ukulele player this week, like I just I just immediately, you know, just oh, started, there it is. started there it ukulele fanboying over here. You know, just I was seven minutes in I seven have, minutes into the broadcast, you know, folks. And God, there is the ukulele. I, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with ukulele or anything. <laughs> Um, you know, that I just, that I just own a bunch of these for the radio audience. They're going to, you know, just to paint the picture here. Yeah. I, I, I love ukuleles and I'm carrying all of them at once and, and I'm going to put them down because you know, when you put them all together, they're kind of heavy. Um, I'm over here horrified, but I do also own a baby. So (laughs) I, where do I, yeah, I know you're a uke man, JC. I know you're excited for this show. Bring it out. Bring it out. Yes. I too may yes, have been let... prepared. <laughs> and 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 the cheese stands alone. I do not have a ukulele. No. I've I, I just have the I, I have some of the full size guitar thingies with, with six strings Would on you, them. You brought a uh, guitar to a ukulele fight? I, Come on. <laughs> look at I have a shaker. Look at all six string over here. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it in four yeah i know god you need three whole fingers to play a c chord loser 
Like the one ukulele player listening right now is going to be like, that was a good one, Ryan. That was zing. That joke was for an audience of one. Ray Robinson's like, yeah, one one finger C chord, absolutely. That was that was for you, Ray, waiting in the. Uh, I mean, in keep in mind there. we do have Ray's mom in the chat. Ukes <laughs> <laughs> indeed you. do rock Ray's mom. That's a great comment right there. Some justification. <laughs> Very stoked to have her on. In the next segment, she's going to play for us, which is wonderful. Hi, Ray's mom. She's going to play for us, which is awesome. We're going to talk to her about uh, how she's been moving her career forward during the pandemic. Her new sponsorship with Lana Kai Ukuleles. That's a that's a good ukulele company right there. They are a reputable ukulele outfit. And I'm I love this new trend of instrument companies. You know, uh, Casio keyboards, uh, you know, Yamaha guitars, and uh, in this case, Lana Kai Ukuleles. Instead of just going for the top shelf, you know, chart topping artists, they realize they get a lot more bang for their buck partnering with indie artists because they're going to be grateful for the sponsorship opportunity. They're going to, you know, do what you need them to do. They're going to they're going to be good brand ambassadors for you. And I'm loving this trend of indie artists getting some of these sponsorship opportunities with, with prominent brands. Hard to agree. And, um, you know, just coming from the gaming industry, that seems to be a trend in working with, you know, what are called micro influencers or whatever. Um, but, but sort of not the super expensive folks um, that, you know, you might pump a bunch of money into. You get, you know, maybe two hours of a stream sponsorship and with, with questionable ROI, but you go for kind of lower level folks. They will prob- tend to be more savvy on social media, tend to hustle more. Um, and their communities tend to be a lot fiercer and more attached. Um, so you get a lot more ROI as a company. So invest in your indie artists, companies. There, <laughs> one of, one of the things that. I want to ask Ray on that front is how does an indie creator who you know doesn't have necessarily the big following or all the industry connections – gain the attention of a Lana Kai ukuleles to set up these sponsorships because I think that would be useful information for a lot of artists. And we're going to talk to her all about that after the break. But uh, I want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, uh, something I've been doing over the past week. I had the pleasure of speaking at the launch party, the virtual launch party of our dear friend Ariel Hyatt's new book, um, The Ultimate Guide to Music Publicity. It is an awesome book. I, I got an advanced copy of it. I dove into it. I mean, it really is the ultimate guide. I get. I mentioned this during the talk. I, I am so annoyed by music business books that just write a check they can't possibly cash in the title. I mean, how many books do you see where it's like everything you need to know and then some about the music, whatever, and you know, uh, you know, the complete guide to blah blah blah. But this is the ultimate guide to the music publicity by Ariel Hyatt, and it really is. No stone on the publicity front left unturned. It is a really terrific book. And she had me speak on the subject of pitching because I I wrote a little passage in the book about pitching, a little blurb, if you will. And I think, uh, you know, Elisa, given your background in music and gaming, JC, given your music background and your nonprofit background, you guys are no stranger to the art of the pitch. The email where you ask somebody uh, either for a connection or you want something from them or you want to partner with them in some way. And the right pitch can go a long way. And one of the things that I got an opportunity to talk about during our talk on pitching was the importance of personalizing your message in the pitch. I know based on the industries you two work in, you probably get a fair share of pitches that are, let us say, carbon copies. 
where you can tell you are just one of 3,000 copies of the same pitch, and you can tell they didn't even read up on you a bit to personalize that pitch to you, and that must drive you crazy, and you probably never reach out to those people, right? Yeah, in general, uh, when you see someone that's sort of copied and pasted something, you're never going to get back to them because you said, well, you didn't take the time to personalize it for my organization trying to reach out to me. I know that you're just reaching out to everyone and I can't set up a personal connection with you uh, to, to sort of get the job done and making sure that you're working together uh, with me. I will say personally, uh, I just scored a gig recently and the first thing that they told me in the interview was, hey, uh, one of the first reasons you're here is because you wrote an awesome cover letter. So there's just something about, I mean, yes, thank you. Uh, so there's just something about really personalizing it, making it to you, and let the person know that you are speaking genuinely um, and you're genuinely interested in working with them. It's really important. It really goes yeah. a long way. Yeah, as um, when in, in my brief stint as an um, uh, doing influencer management on the game dev side, we would get a bunch of creators on Twitch and YouTube just basically sending cold emails being like, I would like to review game. <laughs> Very <laughs> obvious. And then, of course, you know, me as a former teacher, if if game is going to be in a different <laughs> font and like a different size, I'm not... It, it doesn't make me feel like you're actually interested in that. Um, it makes me feel like you're just going to get our game code and sell it on the gray market. And that's not cute. <laughs> and these things, literally, game codes can sometimes cost money from the publishers. So, like, you're not only wasting somebody's time, but potentially a company's money um, by kind of, you know, making making some sort of pitch like that. Um, instead, the pitches that I do remember are things that come with this is the value that I would bring, but also, you know, this, you know, yeah, sure, numbers, follower numbers, et cetera, but making things easily accessible so that if I'm intrigued and want to learn more, I can actually go to your stream. So put all of your links in everything, please. Um, but then also, and of course, don't do so much of this that it counts as spec work, right? Because, you know, protect your own energy as a creator too <laughs> and protect your own IP. But I do remember pitches that are like, not only am I cool, but also because of your cool specific game, here's like a cosplay stream I could do based on this awesome piece of art that you have. Or I can build one of these things on stream. Or I can play this section um, because I'm really good at lore and i know that your game is lore heavy right so like those little touches go a long way and those could be the basis for relationships that last years considering things like dlc and extra content so take the little bit of extra effort to personalize your pitch and it can take you a long way well i'm glad that you yeah, brought I that do up i want to say oh no go, go ahead go ahead yeah i do want to say that like you brought up the word remember and one of the things is we do remember. So it's so important that when you are making that pitch that we may not get back to you. I will say <laughs> that it, it, you, you may not hear back from us for a while, but we do remember the good and the bad. And when something comes up, you are now sort of rolled into that idea. And if we remember the bad, it's uh, not so good for you. So, you know. Great pieces, best impressions. great pieces of advice being talked about here. We're talking about 
show the pitchy the contours of a potential relationship and what you all could be doing together. Show that person that you've done your homework and you know what this organization is and know what value you can bring. And that stuff can go a long way. And as JC noted, be memorable so that that pitch stays with them for a long time. And you're not memorable by giving the cutting and cut and paste in pitch. And I'll say this as somebody who is on the receiving end of pitches because I get pitches from, uh, uh, publicists to have people come on this podcast is I am shocked by how many professional professional paid to do this publicists who don't follow these strategies. I mean, at least once a day I get a pitch from a publicist that I can tell has not even read the show description of this podcast because <laughs> I will get the, Hey, you know who you need to have on your show? My client, he is the CEO of this Fortune 500 aluminum siding company. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you saw the word business in the title of my show and thought, yeah, this is a guy who likes to interview the, mo- the movers and shakers over at Morgan Stanley. And that's, but like, that's, I mean, and the fact that that publicist probably took some poor artist's money is already so frustrating to me. But here's, I think, the, the important point is that it, the pitch, the world of pitching is such a wasteland and there's so many bad pitches out there and so many people doing the cut and paste pitches that if you want to get into the top 5% of pitches, all that you have to do is just make a modicum of effort. Like forget drafting the world's greatest pitch. If you can show the person in the pitch that you spent five minutes reviewing and learning about this person, I'm not saying you're going to get the pitch every time, but you're going to at least Get a, you know, you're much more likely to get a response. You're much more likely to get a conversion. And I almost want to call out some of these publicists who are just taking artists' money because they're just doing these cut-and-paste pitches and sending your pitch to audience who are in no position or inclination to want to receive that pitch. That, to me, is so, so frustrating. Break the business is so about saying, to be a drama channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're saying know who represents you. Yes. A major point. I know you've said this over and over again. Uh, you mentioned people throwing away money almost because whoever says that they're going to rep- represent you the right way probably isn't. They're doing the copy paste. So uh, take a look at what they're sending out, first yeah. of all. Because the reputations of your publicists matter, by the way. Once I get burned by a publicist, once I get the, you know, inter- interview the aluminum siding king. I'm not taking another pitch from that publicist again. Like, I'm going to see that name and go, oh, nope, nope, delete, delete. And so, but that being said, if you have a publicist who's on their game, who, you know, consistently brings guests who gets the show and says, look, I know I know, kind of what your show is about, Ryan. I think I got the perfect person for you. Indie alt-pop ukulele artist who's, uh, you know, moving her career forward. Like, yes, bring... And so that publicist... Whenever I see their name on the email, I smile. And sometimes even with these publicists, if you bring me a bunch of great guests that get the show and you and then and then you send me a clunker, I might still put the clunker on the show because I just I'm so grateful for that publicist and I want to maintain that relationship. So something to consider when you're deciding who is pitching your, you know, your career on your behalf, but also these strategies if you can't afford a publicist, these are things that you can do. I do take pitches from artists all the time without a publicist. And if you tell me your story and you show me that you get the show and you have something unique to bring to the show, like a diverse perspective or a piece of advice about the industry that I don't think we've talked about, 
you go to the front of the line and that just takes a little bit of work, a little bit. I can't stress enough how little you have to do to get into the very top of the tire fire that is the pitches that we get for this program. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's absolutely wild. But, um, you know, you, you should check out more about this at Ariel Hyatt's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Music Publicity. It's out. It's got this advice. It's got so much more. It is, it is a tremendous, tremendous read. All right, before we go to break... I one of the reasons why I brought Elisa here, as we intimated in the beginning, is she is our resident gaming expert. She is our industry insider. Oh, and, God. you know, when we when we want to know about what's going on in the gaming industry, what should we know about as indie creators and the interplay between indie creation and the gaming industry and all that good stuff? We talk to Elisa. So <laughs> she's got the credentials. Oh, no. Well. I, I, I mean, want I want to phrase this as like an eloquent question with lots of like subparts and nuances, no. but I'm just going to say E3, go. <laughs> what, what do we need to know? Okay. What happened? So <laughs> meta narrative, do we even need an E3 for first off? Um, and, and that's a whole different can of worms in the first place. Um, e- E3, the, the, the electronic <laughs> entertainment expo, um, uh, notoriously a place before consumers got their hands into it. It was just a boring old industry conference that was like, if you buy our game, you're going to see 60% more sales at your Sears or whatever. And and that's all it was for years. It was like a real industry insider thing, like a frozen Fully, foods convention, basically. I mean, basically, it's literally <laughs> just like, you know, like, I don't know, we'll we'll pick a publisher, right? So like, I don't know, like a Nintendo. We'll talk to Walmart. And and like, yeah, they have all the same cute little booths, but it's just li- like like just business to business stuff. Then it, you know, more more spectacle um and everything and and now we had this consumer event over the last couple of years. And then dot dot dot. Um and <laughs> <laughs> it went digital last year. This year we're still not cute with in-person events. I'm looking in your direction, Pax. Um, <laughs> some folks are, are are dipping a toe in. That's cool. E3 remained digital. But the problem is that because it remained digital, um, it I feel like everybody after this year is completely burnt out. And also we can't we don't have this big rudder that we used to have anymore because due to the pandemic everybody has been like, well, we'll all just take our shows online and showcase our games online and felt self-empowered to do that. And meanwhile, this place that had been built as being the end-all be-all of gamer Christmas is like, we're, we're still, we're, we're still, I mean, you could, you could show your games with, <laughs> you can show your games with us. <laughs> so it's, so E3 was a little chaotic it was a little chaotic this year, pero um, it, it kicked off with uh, with Jeff Keighley, who I think is now kind of becoming the new video game anchor in terms of being a place to show off your game. Head of the Game Awards also started E3 season off with um, Summer Games Fest and gave us things like Elden Ring news, which I kind of want to toss to JC because I feel like, do you, are, do you play any kind of like Soulsborne type I games don't. at all? You don't? Oh, no. Does anybody? Can Elden anybody? Ring. Yeah, I, I need some Elden Ring info <laughs> here. I saw like the, the stuff about this. It looks really intriguing. It looks like they have some heavy hitters involved in this project. I mean, anybody, Elden Ring, help me out. 
I've, I'm, it's, it's, it's not necessarily my wheelhouse, but George R. R. Martin is involved, which yeah. makes me wonder if we will see a release date. So, <laughs> wait, we for might it. see it, but it may never finish. There it is. So, so, so that kicked off. So many games got announced. Uh, we heard from uh, folks like Ubisoft uh, talking about Far Cry Six still that's coming out this week. Uh, Rocksmith Plus, which is you know my own personal bias. Uh, got announced and since this is technically a, a also a music business podcast a very interesting new entry in the music game situation because now they're moving towards a subscription model for their service so i feel like we're gonna have to have a very special episode of the break the business podcast just about rocksmith plus alone i, I would love to see how that's going to work with the subscription service and what it potentially means in terms of how big the library is going to get and how much more that library could include a lot of indie artists and give more indie artists an opportunity to get featured into that game. When I saw that announcement, that that put a smile on my face. And for a, a brand like Rocksmith, where the, the value of the game is a lot based on having new content to play, so you're not just playing the same songs over and over on your guitar, a subscription model makes perfect sense. That's really exciting. Yeah, so very special episode on that coming soon for sure. But <laughs> nice. um, what what I would what I would venture to guess is um, I would say that maybe Xbox probably won sort of E three in a sense uh, because eh, you know I mean I mean other than Nintendo because Nintendo is always precious. Um, but they do what they do. like like Xbox Xbox joined forces with Bethesda, who they recently acquired, uh, to put on a big show, and it basically it it ended with me thinking that. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is the best deal in all of games forever yes. and ever. Because <laughs> um, there's so much Game Pass stuff coming. Um, n- not just the first party titles like your Forza Horizon 5s, which looks gorgeous. And I never even paid attention to a Forza game before, but this one looks absolutely dope. Um, uh, Psychonauts 2. So basically, obviously, from all of the different studios that they acquired, all of those are coming to Game Pass. Um, but Things like Hades. People are going to get a chance to play Hades now, and that's going to be available on Game Pass. Um, and a game like a, like 12 Minutes that I'm also very intrigued in, uh, which is literally like a 12-minute time loop kind of game. Um, so Game Pass has been a treat for me, at least, not not even because of the sort of big AAA titles that you get, you know, sometimes even day one with Game Pass, which is dope, but like a chance to be able to play and experience all of these smaller kind of indie titles um it's amazing um and that's dope i also want to play redfall really really bad that's kind of like a four-player co-op uh vampire hunting thing i saw that uh, one that one from looks cool. arcane austin which looks super dope and like for me being a huge borderlands fan and obviously a borderlands nerd it kind of gave me the same feeling of like all right i'm gonna join up with three other people and and take out some some baddies and and it seemed like a game with a lot of humor and a lot of fun and I like the art style so i'm super looking forward to that um jc can we talk about breath of the wild too i mean we can talk about it you know honestly for this year's e3 just like you mentioned early like there's not a whole lot pulling us in because there's not a lot of spectacle that happened this year so even me as a gamer, not totally in the industry, I didn't pay too much attention to it other than for the things that I wanted to see. So I definitely secondhand checked out the Nintendo stuff. And Breath of the Wild 2 is looking good, but it's kind of a lot of stuff that we've already seen. Uh, I, I, got, I got something to say to oh, Nintendo yeah, um, about, oh. about this oh. 
Breath of the Wild 2 announcement that they made, <laughs> which was basically just a really big pomp and circumstance filled, we're working on it. All right. I'm, I want to make I want to make a, a universal E3 rule here that that an edict that I want going across the industry. If you don't have a vote. date yet, you have nothing to announce. OK. Oh, like not soon. When, when, when my Coming when my wife her. asks me when I'm going to take care of the dishes in the <laughs> sink. And I don't Soon have like a time of when I'm going to do it. I'm basically <laughs> saying it's not getting done anytime soon. And that's really crappy of me to say to my spouse, just as it is crappy of Nintendo to say, like, we're working on it. Yeah, we know you're going to make a Breath of the Wild 2 sequel. It was a wildly successful game. It's going to come eventually. So if all you're announcing at E3 is it's going to come out eventually, that's not news. We knew that. Oh, it's well, news it for the shareholders, baby. It, it is. <laughs> but, like, it's double not news because we already knew that it existed and that they were already working on it. So, like, it's not news and it's also yes. not news. Well, I'm also extra bitter because among the Nintendo announcements were not a new Mario baseball game. And so I'm just lashing out at them now. Yeah, we, we, we also didn't get any strikers, but we did get a new WarioWare. We did. Which Which I'm kind of excited about and metroid dread looks kind of cool it looks really cool i think metroid dread had the most post e3 pre-orders of any e3 game if i read that right I, I, i'm jc i'm looking at your face i'm also not a fan of the name not a fan of the name <laughs> i mean it's, it's controversial whatever. i mean more for the fact that it is kind of like a, a a rehash of the gba metroid it's not really pushing it forward it's fine it's 2d some people love that I, some I people like don't that, though it's Fine. Are you guys well, excited you about everyone. all of the Mario parties of Mario parties <laughs> past being consolidated <laughs> into one game and released? And in theory, at least what they say, will be available for online play. So there's a so they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been burned before, Nintendo. I know. Yeah, uh, I'm like, I'm not. I'm not I'm ready not to open my yet. heart. <laughs> I'm not exactly. going to get excited yet. But I don't know. One, one one of the cool things about E3, especially especially as somebody who subscribes to Game Pass specifically, it's like um, somebody described it on Twitter, and I wish I remember who it was so I could credit them. But uh, they were like, "It's it's cool because I feel like I get to plot out." what my entertainment is just gonna look like for the next like year and a half and like and just schedule out i can take my days off <laughs> like i can i could just schedule out like my entertainment and know how long i have to wait for stuff and knowing that i i don't know i, I feel like i get a lot of value for my sub boy i hope that's being paid forward to the developers <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I i for one as a consumer i'm loving it well i i love what game pass offers in the sense that i'm more willing to try out a game now and to, to at least start it like because before like i i had to i had to really be in love with the game so much that i'm willing to do that you know jump over that 68 dollar hurdle to get it and if i'm just not sure about a game I'm not going to get it, but if it's part of a of a Game Pass subscription, I can try it out. I can see if I like it, um, and if it doesn't work out, I can move on to something else. It makes a lot more sense for the consumer, and I love the new trend that you were talking about, Elisa, of more AAA titles, more current stuff being put on Game Pass. Game Pass isn't just the five-year-old games that have already gone through their product cycle. It's the stuff like MLB The Show 21, 
initial release on Game Pass. That's pretty wild for a you know a, a major studio sports game release. That doesn't happen, but now it does. Yeah. Oh, and also Battlefield looks cool. Battlefield. Oh, <laughs> when does Battlefield not look cool? <laughs> it Battlefield looks cool. And the reason that I like Battlefield specifically is because I feel like I can get chaotic and get credit for being chaotic in a way that I could not in any other shooter of its kind. Oh, nice. It's great. It's fantastic. Where's Mario Baseball? That's all I'm saying. Just <laughs> I mean, where where's so strikers? Strikers. Also, like, specifically. Strikers. Oh my God. They you got a golf. You got a we golf. We did get a golf. We did get Mario really Golf. That That's golf. fair. I mean, but we've done this on the show before. My hierarchy of Mario sports games goes <laughs> baseball, strikers, golf, uh, tennis. And so I, you know, like, look, happy to have golf. But I mean, Elisa, we played Super Mario Strikers like what? 30 minutes before your wedding. Like we were all in a room playing strikers together on like the happiest day of your life. Like why? Why would we not love strikers? It's it's great. All you gotta do is just slide tackle people. That's what it's all about. That's what I do. It's, it it's, so great. it's all right. called Smash Brothers. Oh, Smash Brothers. That's yeah. Well, I mean, that it's in a class by itself. The, the Smash Brothers. Um, g- gotta love it. All right, Ray Robinson coming up next. Do not go anywhere. Keep it right here on Break the Business. The next half of the show is gonna be awesome. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Break the Business on Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, all podcasting platforms, and Sirius XM Channel 145. Ryan Carella here, joined with JC, Elisa, and the world's tiniest ukulele. <laughs> I love this thing. It's so, Play so it. cute. It is, it's, you, it's pretty much unplayable, just... but... There it is. 
Oh, my God. It, 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 my fingers cramp just even trying to start. But it's so, so cute. And the reason why, of course, we're bringing out the ukuleles is a, it's a celebration of our guest coming up right now. She is a Hollywood-based indie art alt-pop singer-songwriter who is sponsored by Lanakai Ukuleles and has been recently featured in Ones to Watch and Ear Milk. You can find out more about her and her soon-to-be-released debut EP, Crushes and Love Songs, by visiting Instagram.com slash ItchJustRay. We're happy to welcome Ray Robinson on to break the business. Hi, Ray. Hello. Thank you for the lovely welcome. How are you guys doing today? We are doing so, so well. Happy Great. to be chatting with you. Happy to be here. So what do you think of the world's tiniest ukulele? I it love it. I'm still loving playable. it. <laughs> now, it is still playable. <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna ask you about your music career, but 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 before yeah. before we do, all right, we're gonna I, I want you to I want you to say, do you like the world's tiniest ukulele more or less than Oh no. Oh uh oh. Making me choose between ukuleles. The Doctor here. Who themed ukulele Oh my god, Doctor Who with I an exploding TARDIS on the nerd. back. That is so cool. I love that you have that. I am a giant Doctor Who fan. What? So, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I am. All right. Yeah, well, I went Ryan to it. I actually went to it. People. Apologies <laughs> to your publicist because we're not going to talk about your career. It's just going to be a bunch of Doctor Who questions from here on out. You know, Capaldi okay. Smith, okay uh, who do you got? No, oh, oh, man. <laughs> I kind of love Capaldi. I was a big Matt Smith girl for a long time, but um, but also I feel like David Tennant maybe played it the best out of the new doctors of, of you know my opinion but oh, kind of like jody whittaker smith, she's kind of cool too she's got a lo- yeah. little bit of those uh matt smith vibes look at all all, all the whovians in yeah. the chat are all excited now that you're a, a <laughs> oh, doctor who it. fan like who get a new fan base here <laughs> i mean guys evan elisa indie alt pop singer songwriter ukulele player <laughs> doctor who fan i mean does this does her publicist know the show to put her on or what <laughs> Yeah, truly. Well, she knows how to pick them. Lydia is the best. She's so cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. You guys are so funny. I've been having such a great time watching you and listening, and and I'm um, excited to be here. Oh, and we have, um, we do have, I have some guest stars for us. Oh. So I thought we might um, do it's a, cat. a little bit of- It's a cat. We have a cat. <laughs> oh, my God. A little bit of uh, kitten- kitten uh well i was trying to do asmr but she's feeling a little bit playful so i don't think we're gonna get any purring out of her yet maybe later but oh my um God. uh-oh my mom's bringing me a, another one. Oh, oh that was yeah. even smaller <laughs> how am i supposed to do live radio under these conditions See, this wow. is what... an audience See, oh, this is what the audience. folks are missing by, yeah, by thought, not checking out the show would, on Twitch. Oh. Truly, I thought I'd come pander with kittens. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the chat's just going, kitty, cat. Um, oh, my God. My heart is melting. How am I supposed to carry on a serious interview about your career with a melted heart? Oh, we're getting a little... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay i'm gonna all, all right, right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to compose myself no, here. yeah they're, they're gonna they've decided that they're done with me so oh. they're gonna go play so <laughs> look if they crawl you know into the shot at any given time that's perfectly them. okay all right as long as we understand the ground rules they are allowed to disrupt this interview at any time promise we won't be mad I'll right, let let's know. let's talk about ukuleles here. Uh, All right, in, let's. In the first segment, we were talking a lot about your 
partnership with Lana Kai Ukuleles and this sort of emerging trend we're seeing of major instrument brands partnering with indie creators, partnering with, uh, as Elisa dubbed, the micro-influencers, the folks like you who are, are doing great things in your career, you know, don't have like the gigantic fan base, but have a good quality fan mm-hmm. base that are big fans of what you do. And so these companies can get a lot of bang for their buck and get a lot of ROI out of getting someone like you to, to work with them and sponsor them, somebody who loves that particular brand of ukuleles. Can you tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about that relationship with Lana Kai and how it got started? Yeah. Um, first of all, I love Lana Kai. I've been with them for a little over two years, I think now. And they are, um, such a cool company. Um, that's something I love about like the, the brand and small artists, like connection. I think, um, we really get to develop our relationship and, um, we really get to, you know, kind of know each other. It feels like the Lana Kai family versus just like being on some big company who doesn't know your name and, you know, so it's really fun. Um, it actually, I've been playing Lana Kai, Lana, my first ukulele, I actually have, um, my first ukulele here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a Lana Kai. This is mama. Um, and I've, oh, I've been playing Lana Kai for like 11 or 12 years now. Um, and, and never did I think that I would be sponsored by them, but it's kind of a funny story. I was reaching out to them to, um, because they're, they're my favorite ukulele company. So I was reaching out, um, to see if I could get a sponsorship and they didn't have any artists yet. They didn't have any. And, um, and so I was like, oh, that's a bummer, you know, well, whatever. Um, and uh, like a month or two later, they, reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we're just starting to get artists. And we found you, um, under the ukulele hashtag, uh, ukulele girl hashtag or something like that. And, and so they reached out to me and it was like such an awesome, like situation. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so I, um, was really lucky, but you know, so many artists, especially, or so many brands, especially like, like kind of smaller brands, like are so happy, um, to have artists reaching out to them and stuff. I think it doesn't happen as much as, as much as people think it does. So, um, yeah, I think it's as easy as, as, you know, finding some contact information and saying, Hey, I'm really passionate about the company. I would love to be on it. And I think, I think generally a lot of the times that's, that's enough. Just like you guys were talking about, um, personalized pitching earlier. I think, you know, if you really, if you really show them that you're a fan, I think it's I think it does a lot. It, it's coming full circle. Oh, oh my God! Look at that cat. Oh, See, that that one's gonna be the star. That one looked right into the camera. I think Just, I think she is. This is Bug. Hi there. Oh, She's very God. sweet. I forgot my question now. Thanks. I'm no. so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, this is, look, it, it, it's awesome. And I, you know, what advice do you have to indie creators out there who perhaps have a treasured brand of musical instrument and think that there could be a potential partnership in, the, in there for them? What's the first move that they make? Is it, you know, making a personalized pitch like we talked about in the first segment? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that is, um, or, you know, finding people, um, in the company who might be in charge of that. Um, I think, but I really do think that, um, that making a personalized pitch, um, around, 
you know, around the company, especially if it's a company you really care about that, you know, if you, if you make that clear, um, they, they really, you know, I think that they would appreciate the passion. And if you're going to be representing the company, I think that, you know, they can see how passionate you are and how well that you're going to represent, um, represent that for them. Um, yeah, they want, you know, they want to work with people who love it as much as they do. So I, I can dig that, Ray. A theme that we've had amongst a lot of artists that we've had on the program recently, Ray, is this idea of how indie creators are finding ways to move their careers forward during the pandemic, making the right pivots, making the right changes to their standard operating procedure to make the most of this brave new world that we're in. And so I'm intrigued to hear that from your perspective. How have you kept your career moving forward during the pandemic? What changes have you had to make? Yeah, um, the pandemic was honestly for me um, a little bit of a blessing in disguise because I'm hearing I got that so to, often from artists. Yeah, I I think it really gives art, especially artists like creatives, a chance to you know, I think artists are always pushing, 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 promoting, playing shows, doing all this stuff. And um, being in lockdown at least gave me an opportunity to stop doing all that and focus on my writing and on creating. And so I've spent the last um, year and a half just writing and creating, you know, developing my sound and and figuring out a game plan for how I want to move forward. And um, it's been, it's given me a chance to like build a really strong foundation uh, for myself as an artist to then move forward and, and keep writing while I'm promoting and stuff. Like it kind of just gave me a little bit of a head start almost, which, so I, I, I've um, gotten, gotten a lot out of it. So, well, you know, Elisa, JC, it's, it does sort of track with what I've heard from a lot of creators who have used the some version of the blessing in disguise narrative about mm-hmm. what the pandemic has done for their career. I've seen artists take two tracks, either one in Ray's case, they have more time to invest in creating and being creative and, and making more art and expanding their horizons as an artist, and that's great. Or there are artists out there who are using it as an opportunity to learn more about the business side of the ledger, uh, learn about new marketing strategies, new promotion distribution strategies that they wouldn't have had the time or inclination to explore but for the pandemic. But it's great to see that you've taken that first road on things and it's leading to a lot of great creative output. And I would love it very much if we could see but a sample of this creative output. I understand that you oh have a, a follow-up <laughs> to your to your first single that uh, that you're just starting to play places. And, and it, yes. we'd love to hear some ukulele if you don't yeah, mind. <laughs> of course. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, I just put out my song Daisies and and I'm working on putting, um, uh, putting out my next one. And the next is called um, Rainy Day Daydream. And it is a ukulele song if there's ever a ukulele song. Oh, um, so, so absolutely. Excited. Do you want me, you want me to just go right ahead, right into it? Yeah, let's do this. This is rainy day daydream right. by Ray Robinson here on break the business. It's raining outside. 
my head And you don't know how much I wish you were laying next to me in bed I hate waiting around And I'm counting down The days until I get to see you again But until then be my rainy day daydream rainy day daydream I go crazy thinking about how you taste and I'm stuck in your bed just to see your face It's raining outside and we're watching TV And I'm all too focused on the way your leg just brushed against my knee You give me butterflies I haven't felt since high school And I'm wondering if you feel the same Do you get nervous when I say your name? So that's rainy day, daydream, and I'll be the next day to like it out. Oh, I love the class. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was delightful. The the chat Thank you. is rightfully pleased with that. Oh. So so great. Uh, look, we we just had a whole bit in E3 before the commercial break about how mm -hmm. uh, frustrating it can be when we don't know when something's gonna come out. Do, do we have yep. a target date for this EP? We, we, when, when do we get to oh. enjoy this? 
for the EP, um, it'll be out this year. <laughs> we don't have a date yet. Before um, Breath this... of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, um, watch them, watch them uh, release it next week. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, this song will be out um, uh, within, oh man, it'll be out very soon. It'll be out in the next like um, couple months, less than that. Um, and uh, the EP is going to be out this year. Don't have a date for it yet, but um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about it. All right, Ray. Right. Yes. Let us know. Oh my! <gasps> stop with the cats! I no, can't don't, focus. Don't, don't look stop. at you. Look don't at that one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look at my mom is a cat giver. My, my mom is the cat. The cat giver. It's like the claw that comes down and just drops the. Oh, um, the cat's just looking right at us. Oh, Jesus! Next week, Jesus tune in baby. for break the cat business. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What a sweet, what I was saying yes. b- before Please I was continue. so pleasantly interrupted was let us know when, 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 whenever the EP comes out, let us know. We want to celebrate yes. it. We want to enjoy oh. it. We want to tell our folks about it. Cause I'm sure you, you got a bunch of people listening and watching this who want to hear more from you. And you can do that by visiting Instagram.com slash it's just Ray. And that's Ray R A Y E mm-hmm. check her out. Uh, great things coming her way. Ray, before we let you go, one yeah. last question that we ask all the guests that come on this program. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? I think um, the best thing I could say um, is, I think the best thing I could say is be yourself, like be genuine. People want authenticity. Like it's really easy to get caught up in everybody's life is perfect and everybody looks perfect on Instagram. So I have to be perfect if I want to compete, but it's not about that. People really want to see your personality and, and you how like the way that you are. And, um, I think that is, is maybe the biggest thing and also get on TikTok because Mm. it's, it's um, one of the best ways for small artists to get attention and blow up because it shows your content to anybody. It's not just your followers. So those are probably my my tips. The discovery algorithm on TikTok is is pretty dang terrific. And it so really is cool. I'm with you on that. And uh, so I mean, Ray, you, you got to follow Elisa on TikTok. She is yes. She oh, is a oh, party God. to follow. I will be doing that. <laughs> just. <laughs> Just millennial I goodness. created in way too long. Don't put me on oh black. Oh, my gosh. I feel <laughs> <that>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all feel that. It's Sometimes it can be hard to create, but well, Ray, we do it anyways. <laughs> Ray, thank you so much. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Thank you so much. I would love that, too. You guys are so awesome. I love talking with you guys. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on. This was so fun. You got it. And thank, and thanks to your mom for bringing those cats here. They're yes. always welcome too, by the way, standing invitation for your cats. Oh, all right. Right. Ray Robinson, everybody. Uh, just so, so stoked to, to have chatted with her. I'm in a good mood now between, between the cats, the ukulele, the fact that she's a doctor who fan just, Oh man. Wow. Just so, so happy. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, we got a few minutes left, and I want to occupy that time with you, Elisa and JC, uh, to share with you a tweet that I've seen this past week. And I believe it's a tweet that you all have seen as well. 
because it is just everywhere. Lauren, can you pull up this tweet that has just been making the proverbial rounds on Twitter? I'm already tired. (laughs) All right. So we should describe this for the audio listeners here. This is a tweet of a, you know, one of these families that's, you know, Instagram beautiful and is trying to make you feel bad about your life. So it's, it's a mom with her three kids and they're hiking in the woods and she's holding up a sign that says into the woods we go because kids won't remember their best day of television. And then the person who tweeted out this photo used the caption on the tweet, feel like this is 100% untrue. Now, Elisa, JC, like me, your lives have been pretty much formed by television of the 90s. And so I would imagine that your best day of television is going to beat out a day to the woods any day. I know it would be for me. As somebody who's had dengue fever. What? Like, like, I ain't trying to go into the woods, period. Oh, you're not going into the thick of it. (laughs) Wow. TikTok reference there. Ray Robinson liked that. I see her laughing in the chat. Backyardigans have entered the chat. Ugh, ugh indeed. Ugh, indeed, I say to that. Oh, my God. That's... I feel like for Elisa, her worst day of television is better than her best day in the woods. Accurate. (laughs) I almost overheated playing paintball in the woods in North Carolina. Like, I do not have a good relationship (laughs) with the woods. Like just just the best days of television of my childhood just kicked the crap out of the woods any day. Like, I was, I mean, five years old. When the Borg kidnapped Jean-Luc Picard and turned him into a Borg. And this wasn't like in today in Netflix where, you know, you, you can find out in the very next episode, you know, just by clicking yes to find out whether he's going to stay a Borg or get unborged. This was like back in the old days where it was the cliffhanger to the end of a season and you had to wait the whole off season to find out what happened to Picard. That was traumatic for five-year-old Ryan. That was a good day of television. The finale of my the finale of Mariela del Barrio, the the finale of a telenovela in my neighborhood. I mean, you want to talk about appointment television? Like it was like you heard nothing in the streets at like three p.m. when that episode dropped, because it's like this woman she had amnesia and she didn't know that she was working as a maid in the house, but her son is there that she doesn't remember. It's like, oh my god, it's a whole thing. It was a whole. Thing. <laughs> Just was, like that, I've got one that I know is a shared one oh, for all of us. T- bring it. Who? Bring it. Shot. Mr. Burns. Oh! The month That of was waiting. an event. I remember. The, they, for, they, the they, forensics uh, I went through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, there was a chart with like string. Red string, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. To figure out who shot Mr. Burns. I remember they had a whole special on Fox the night before the second part of the Who Shot Mr. Burns special where they got like all these celebrities to give their theories and they had like a betting board with the odds of all the people in Springfield and and what their probabilities were were shooting Mr. Burns. Of course, you know, Maggie, who shot Mr. Burns, spoiler alert, was like 500 to one. What? Oh, shut up. Don't, don't make me feel bad. <laughs> All right. First of all, the kids that are watching Simpsons today don't even know what we're talking about because, like, 
season 11 and earlier of Simpsons and season 12 and thereafter of Simpsons are completely different shows. And the people who watched either one don't know anything about the other parts of the show. So, like, like, fans of today's Simpsons don't know what we're talking about with Who Shot Mr. Birds. This happened when I was 10. Uh, There have been two entire me at 10s since that happened. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, uh, this is a long time ago. How about about this one? Try this one on for size. I think this would have been seven, eight years old. Jesse Spano. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. excited. I'm I'm so so scared. Scared. Oh, you mean our trivia group? uh, (laughs) Yes. The the permanent name of any trivia team we ever do together at any pub. Absolutely. So I actually read something about that particular episode. I don't know if you guys know about this, okay? The original script to the Jesse Spano Hot Sunday, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared episode she was originally supposed to get addicted to methamphetamines. Um, like straight up like meth. speed. Like she was like, she was like, and, and the producers, like the network standards and practices said, no, 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 no. This is a Saturday morning show y'all. And there's, there, there's no hope with dope. Yeah. And they were going to cut the episode until the producers like Peter Engel saved it by saying, okay, how about caffeine pills? And apparently the producers were pissed off about even about making it caffeine pills. Cause they're like a caffeine pill has as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. Like Je- Jesse Spano is not going to get like deliriously, you know, angry, you know, like uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared over a caffeine pill. Uh, and well, so like you know, snaps for Elizabeth Berkeley. She made us believe it. <laughs> she did make mm-hmm. us believe. And I went my whole childhood thinking that like caffeine pills were this incredibly destructive substance, like worse <laughs> than cocaine because of that episode of Saved by the Bell. All I'm trying to say, pretty damn memorable, more memorable than any trip to the woods I ever went through. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and and they're yeah. still on television playing those characters. So what are we? What are we even doing? That's right. God, Peacock is just dusting everything off, aren't they? Shameless, those guys. <laughs> Man, well, it, 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 it was that remember rememberable, rememberable. That's rememberable. And on that yeah. note, <laughs> our thanks, <laughs> our thanks to Ray Robinson. Thanks to Elisa JC just coming down memory lane with me. We're all having a good time with the ukuleles and the cats. What a fun, fun show. Thank you all for supporting the program. Be sure to follow us on Twitch and YouTube live Twitter at the BTB podcast. Follow Elisa at Elisa rock doc. Follow JC at J sizzle. And be sure as always to check us out. If you got the Sirius XM satellite radio at Sirius XM channel, one forty five slam radio, they got some great Great stuff on that station. We are but a, a, a small player in a wonderful space there, and you should check out all their fantastic programming. Thank you all very, very much for hanging out with us. Evan and Lisa, thank you all for being here. Oh, and, or JC. Or JC. Oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> I see Elisa. I go, Elisa, JC. Well, so now, now your rememberable isn't the, the worst thing that we closed the show with, so you got that going. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Elisa, JC, right thank you end. so, so much for being here. We'll see you all on Break the Business next week.